You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of 8-Bit Radio. This is a very special GameScoop edition where we listen to retro video game music. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. I'm joined today by my friend, Jared Petty. Very happy to be here, Damon. Who I've invited on the show. Uh, usually it's just me playing the, the tracks that I like, uh, but I wanted to get some other uh, personalities in here on the show. And Jared did something kind of interesting. What you've done, Jared, is you've picked well-known retro video game music and you're presenting us with sort of alternate versions that appeared on different platforms. So songs that you recognize played in a little bit different way. Exactly. Well, you know, old hardware was so different, one system from the other, that music sounded completely different between the different kinds. And I thought it'd be fun to, to show off some of the alternate versions of songs you're familiar with. These are all 8-bit versions, with with one exception. I cheated a tiny bit, and I'll mention that when we get mm, to it. Okay. But uh, these are all 8-bit versions of, of songs that range from the 8 to 16-bit era. So let's start with something very iconic. I think uh, the Bionic Commando soundtrack on the NES is one of my favorite NES soundtracks. So what we'll do is we'll play a little bit of the original <clears throat> NES uh, Area 1 theme, mm -hmm. and then we'll flip over to the Commodore 64 version right. of that game. How did the game, the C64 version of Bionic Commando play? Did it play just like the No, NES not at all. It's, it's based on the arcade version, right. uh, which is very different than yeah. the, the Capcom's uh, NES version is much better, okay. uh, frankly, but it did use the same musical tracks, the same musical inspiration. But because even though the NES and the C64 are based on the same central processing unit, they have completely different sound architecture. Right. And so you just, and not only that, but a different philosophy of, of writing for that SID chip on the C64. It, it, they love to noodle around and do weird things, and you'll hear some of that in this. So we'll start with the NES version, and then we'll go into the Commodore 64 version of Bionic Commando. 
So, wow, I think I, you, so as you point out, they totally quoted The Empire Strikes Back in there. Yeah, there's, there's Star Wars music hidden yeah. in this song. It's amazing. I, I just love it. And the fact that they're, they're taking kind of the same, like, source material and just going two radically different ways. Yeah. I, the way I understand it is that uh, these developers back then would have in-house composers, or at least freelancers that they would work with regularly. Mm -hmm. And so this ha this porthouse would get this Bionic Commando game from Capcom, and the composer had to be like, okay, this is the music. Now I need to convert it into the SID chip. Right, and he went with the spirit. Uh, you know, C64 music in the demo scene kind of has this sort of weird, wild, almost like jazzy vibe to it. And he totally went with that and took the, uh, the Bionic Commando music we all know and love and just did something really strange and original, and I love it. All right, now moving on to the original Final Fantasy. Yeah. Uh, the, the original Final Fantasy on NES uh, includes the iconic music, uh, or at least some, some of the iconic music from the Final Fantasy series. Absolutely, absolutely. and Matoya's Cave is one of my favorite pieces of video game music. It's very simple, uh, but as a child, I remember playing this game, walking into Matoya's Cave, and like stopping. And just being like, this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in a game. Well, so let's let, first of all, let's remind us, uh, remind ourselves what this music sounds like. This is uh, from Final Fantasy One. In what area of the game is this? Uh, this is early on, Matoya's Cave. Uh, you walk in and you'll hear this. Okay. You've also brought a piece from the the MSX version of Final Fantasy. Right. Now, the MSX was a computer that was sort of like the C64 of Japan. Uh, that, that's a good way to think about it. And uh, it was a very limited microcomputer, but it had, because it was a computer, you could actually plug like sound enhancers into it. And so even though it was 8-bit based, you could do these really cool like FM synth and sound enhancement things. Final Fantasy One came out on the MSX as well as on the NES, uh, the Famicom in Japan. Hmm. And so they did this kind of neat thing with the soundtrack using one of those sound enhancers and that's the version you're going to hear here all right so if this is the if this, if this is japan's version of the commodore 64 it's going to sound like a sid chip no not at all actually the hardware is different that comparison is more based on the fact that it's like a all-in-one 64-bit or pardon me an all-in-one 8-bit 64k ram cheap computer you know okay. and then they added ram to it later so this is final fantasy one matoya's cave on the msx
Okay, so Ease is a old school RPG. Yeah, probably best known for for the TurboGrafx 16. Right. Uh, but it also came to the Master System, Sega it, Master System. Yeah, it, it's really weird. Uh, it, the first part of Ease, Ease Book One and Two, was a PC uh, PC Engine slash TurboGrafx game. But Ease actually did come out on the Master System, both here and in Japan. And so we've got the Master System, well, so we have the Master System music here yeah. from both the U.S. and Japanese releases. Right, and this is significant because in Japan, the Sega Master System eventually got upgraded sound hardware built into it. There were actually a lot of versions of what's called the SG-1000, the Sega Master System. There were actually uh, four different iterations of it in Japan. Hmm. And uh, the Master System final, ver yeah, it, it went through a lot of revisions. Anyway, just uh, listen okay, to so it. Okay, so this is, we'll play the... U.S. version first, mm -hmm. and then we'll flip over to the Japanese version, and yeah. there would be a pretty obvious difference. Right. I can't imagine playing an 8-bit RPG with that soundtrack. Yeah, isn't it rad? I mean, the things like that happened. The Famicom had Lagrange Point, you know, that had like an FN synth built in, but you just didn't get a lot of that. Yeah. And it's, wow, it's so rad. I, I really love the change. All right, Bubble Bobble has a very iconic theme because yeah. it basically just loops. It sort of gives you a feeling of going insane while you play that game. It loops. <laughs> This charming melody just over and over and over, over hundreds of levels. Right, yeah. The, the problem is the game's so long. Yeah. You just continue playing there. And the NES version, everybody knows. The arcade theme is very good, too. But again, giving the Master System a little love here. The Master System sound chip, the one that's not FM synth, is frankly kind of grating. Mm. But it's still kind of an interesting study in comparisons <clears throat> to hear how it goes from the NES over to the Master yeah, System. Yeah, so most people probably, probably played Bubble Bubble on an NES. Yeah. But it did also come to the Master System. Mm -hmm. So here we go. NES first, then flipping over to the Master System. Thank you. 
All right, there were several Ghostbusters games released in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one are we going to hear music from today? I picked this one, which is from the Sinclair Spectrum 128. That's a British microcomputer. In Great Britain for a long time, microcomputers were how people played video games, not home consoles. They weren't nearly as popular. And uh, even though the rest of the world didn't get much of a taste of it, there were did some really fantastic things with fairly limited hardware. So I wanted to show uh, one iteration of Ghostbusters uh, that you get. This is actually, I believe, from uh, the real Ghostbusters. The real Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, which, okay. uh, not to be confused with the fake ones. Right. On which t- on which the home computer? Sinclair Spectrum 128, which was a uh, 8-bit British microcomputer. All right, here we go. Right now, even though Maniac Mansion started as a computer game, mm-hmm. I played it on the NES. I think it's how most people played it. Think so? Yeah, at least in America. I mean, yeah, lots of uh, lots of people had an NES in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is is this the opening theme? This is the opening theme, and uh, the first version we're going to hear is the NES, and then the second is the Tandy One Thousand version, which is the one I first played because uh, I had a computer at mm-hmm. that point. And the Tandy One Thousand was a weird little computer. This is where I said I cheated earlier. Uh, okay. It did technically have a sixteen bit processor, but it had an eight bit bus because it was based on the IBM PC Junior. Anyway, it had this very distinct three-channel sound system Mm. that was part of all Tandy 1000s. And so Tandy games sound a little different than other PC games. They're between that terrible PC speaker and the really good, like, sound blaster type sound you got later on. And uh, that's I think this theme illustrates the Tandy sound really well. I had... The version of Maniac Mansion where you could put the hamster in the microwave. Yeah, that's one. Oh, wow. Okay, so you did have the computer version. No, I had the NES version before they censored it. I didn't know they changed that in the NES version. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. Okay. And I totally put the hamster in the microwave. Yeah. The best part about the uh, PC version was, uh, one, there was a uh, statue of a naked person. Mm. And second, there was blood. Yeah. So that's pretty rad. So this Maniac Mansion, first on NES, then on the Tandy 1000. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Thank <laughs> you. 
right, Jared, tell us about The Last Ninja. Okay, so when it comes to the game, I prefer not to. But when it comes to the music, I love to talk about The Last Ninja. I think I rented The Last Ninja and, like, couldn't even figure out what to do with it. Yeah, it's it's not fun. I, I don't understand people's mania for Last Ninja, but some, some folks loved it. It was a really big deal when it came out. It's an isometric ninja game. Anyway, Last Ninja 2 was very popular in the Commodore 64. And it was ported over to the NES as Last Ninja. So the game that you're playing when you're playing NES, Last Ninja, is actually Last Ninja 2. The music, again, this is NES versus Sid, but it's kind of going the other way this time. But first, we're going to hear the Commodore 64 kind of Sid original. Then we're going to hear the completely different original composition. So this is the Central Park music, and they just don't sound anything alike except that whoever was doing the NES version was still trying to get that weird Eurotone. That you, that you hear, I'm going to say Eurotone, that's this kind of place where like the sound effects channels seem to have been used to make some of the music and the other way around. And it, it's, okay. it, yeah, you'll hear it. Uh, so, first, the Bodacious Last Ninja 2 C64 music, which by the way has one less channel to use in the NES, but you couldn't tell. Yeah. And then later on, the really weird uh, remake NES version. Yeah, NES All version. Right. Here we go.
Okay, next up we have Guile's theme from the Super Nintendo version of Street Fighter 2. Right, it goes with everything. And I picked the Super Nintendo because that's my favorite. I, I like it even more than the arcade version. That SNES chip was great. And then to compare and contrast, we have... What, Capcom, SNK versus Capcom on Neo Geo Pocket Color, Guile's theme from that game. Yeah, this is from a little handheld system. Uh, that game, by the way, if you've never played, have you ever played it, Damon? I've never even held a Neo Geo Pocket Color, but I love, I've like, I love the look of those games. Oh, yeah. Like, great, a... great, chunky pixel graphics. They're just wonderful. Uh, the Metal Gear game, or pardon me, the uh, Metal Slug games on those, mm. and, and Match of the Millennium and Kart Fighter are all, like, must-plays. They're so good. Um, but yeah, this is Guile's theme, one of the most iconic video game themes ever, hammered through a tiny little 8-bit handheld console. And I just think it's kind of a neat attempt. All right. Super Nintendo first, then Neo Geo Pocket Color. Next up, Knight Rider. Uh, the theme to Knight Rider is probably one of the most recognizable 80s television themes. Oh, absolutely. There are a few Knight Rider games. Yeah, I just it's so good. I just want to be like, bonum, bonum, yeah. bonum, the whole time. It's, it's wonderful. But yeah, this is from Knight Rider Special for the PC Engine, which is the TurboGrafx-16, same hardware. And the TG-16 relied mostly on CD to get its good music mm. sound out. There's, there's not a lot of great standout music outside the CD games, but I didn't want to cheat. And this is a place where they're actually just using the base hardware, the non-CD augmented hardware, to do something kind of fun. And, and, and I, like, I like this theme. So this is a Knight Rider game released in Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was Knight yeah. Rider popular in Japan? I, I don't know. know. I do know that when I lived there, the entirety of the Knight Rider series was prominently displayed in the video store. Interesting. So I'm guessing it was popular there. All right. The Knight Rider theme on the PC Engine. Thank you. 
Okay, Mega Man has some of the most iconic uh, retro video game music. Now we've got Dr. Wily's stage. Okay, so this is Dr. Wily's stage in the Game Gear version of Mega Man, which is a really weird Mega Man game. Well, let's that, play the NES version first. Right, right? But, but what we need to do okay. before we play this is this is actually the Quick Man music okay, in, in Mega Man 2, but it's used as the Dr. Wily music in the other game. Okay. Yeah. So this is going to be Quick Man music from Mega Man 2 on NES. And then it's going to be Dr. Wily's music on Mega Man for... Game Gear. For Game Gear. Yeah. All right, this is really good. Here we go. Next up is Ghouls and Ghosts, the sequel to Ghosts and Goblins. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the first we're going to have the arcade version right. of uh, was this the main theme. Yeah, kind of the main level one theme. And then to compare and contrast, we have the super graphics version of Ghouls and Ghosts. Remind me what the super graphics was. The super graphics is the most ridiculous 8-bit console ever made. It was a remake of the PC Engine TurboGrafx-16. It only came out in Japan. And they put you just stock so much RAM in this thing, just, just bumped it full of RAM, juiced out the graphics capability as much as they could. But they kept that same 6502 processor that the Apple II and the C64 and the Nintendo and the original TurboGrafx ran on. Hmm. So they put all this stuff around it, but the, its heart was still a tiny little 8-bit processor. All right. um, and it's a really weird piece of hardware. It was a terrible failure. Ghouls and Ghosts, first arcade, then Super Graphics.
All right, next up is Earthbound, and uh, we're going to listen to, what, what is this actual specific piece of music? This is the Home Sweet Home. Yeah, from, uh, from Earthbound that came out here in America on the Super Nintendo. And uh, as you know, Earthbound is Mother 2. So we're going to hear this, this rich, kind of poignant, sad piece of music. And then we're going to go back to the Famicom version that only came out in Japan until very recently when it was uh, released mm-hmm. on Wii U. And hear the piece of music that that iconic Earthbound music was based on. Uh, from for the original uh, Famicom RPG. Here we go. I love that Famicom Mother music. That's really, really good. Yeah, it's rad. I, I just, I, it's so strange to see it change from kind of sentimental to so yeah. energetic. Yeah. You know, uh, what I remember about Earthbound is that I don't think Nintendo had any idea how to market that game. Because remember, it came in a gigantic 
box mm-hmm. with the strategy guide, mm-hmm. and then on the box is like an alien. Yeah, and it's like I don't know what an this is. Thing. And remember the weird like marketing campaign with the scratch and sniff cards and all that. Yeah, it was just no. They didn't know what to do with it, and that's a shame because it's a wonderful game. Jody brought one more piece of music to share today, and this is from the Game Boy version of Bionic Commando. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there only one Bionic Commando on Game Boy? Okay, so there was Bionic Commando for Game Boy, then there was a Game Boy Color version as mm-hmm. well. This, I believe, is from the uh, original Game Boy version. The Game Boy Color one, I think if I remember right, the uh, it features a young lady as the Bionic Commando. Interesting. Uh, but this is the uh, from the black and white version, and we're kind of going full circle here with uh, Bionic Commando yeah, because... exactly. You know, so good. Well, thank you for sharing all these tunes with us today. Thank uh, you for welcoming me. I, I'm I thrilled. Think you have, I think you have very good taste in 8-bit music. Why, Jared. thank you. Yeah. Uh, everybody, thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of 8-Bit Radio, part of the GameScoop family of shows. Uh, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. I'm going to send you off today with some music from Bionic Commando on the Game Boy. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.